So I'm like, this is not a glute show. You know, as we know in open bodybuilding today, not every, most open bodybuilders don't have straight glutes, but they're blasting full, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, it'd be wow. before 1 p.m. Um, I definitely am not a huge advocate of a trend pusher at all. I like to keep that very, very low, low as possible, or until that threshold where there's side effects that are prevalent, right? Yeah. Clen, bro, clen, I keep it very low. Uh, teeth. All right, we're live here at One uh, D Talks. So, special guest uh, Chris Tuttle from Tuttle Nutrition. Thanks so much for joining us uh, tonight. Really excited to have you on. I think it's going to be a nice treat for our audience. And then we, uh, as always, have my co-host, Mr. Justin Harris. So, be awesome to have uh, some coaching talk, uh, some nutrition, performance. You know, your your training. I know we have uh, we had Jordan on not too long ago, and his show just uh, just wrapped up. Uh, pretty recent here, so that'd be kind of cool to unpack that a little more. But yeah, thanks again. I know you're busy, you got a lot going on, and thanks for joining the, the, the no, episode tonight. Not a problem. I, I love talking about nutrition. That's one thing. It's a good break from the general staring from the computer all day long and you know, <laughs> doing updated emails. Sometimes to break up the podcast a little bit and talk about nutrition is good. Yeah, there you go. What, uh, what, what, what do you think? Like, what started you with all that? I mean, obviously, you're you know, studied it formally and doing it your entire adult life now. So, like, what, no, what kind of got you going? Yeah, without going into like a, a ginormous story, it'll just, it all started. Uh, I raced motocross, I raced motocross professionally for a very short time. And on the way to earning that status, um, I had a coach that taught me how to eat at a young age, 12 years old, you know, mm-hmm. basically macro based meals, healthy whole foods, four meals a day, nothing like to a bodybuilding diet, but teaching a kid how to eat right, right? Instead of waking up eating raisin bran and orange juice and out the door, it's like, no eggs, whole green toast, some peanut butter, fruit, etc. And I remember seeing a distinct difference in how I felt and performed on the bike, which gave me a general understanding of nutrition and what nutrition could offer me. Um, later, he obviously had me weight train for motocross. It was more like a CrossFit style work, and my body responded to it. And then people noticed at school. They're like, "Dude, you like you look jacked." I'm like, "Am I? Am I?" Like, I didn't know it was a thing. And then, um, so then I picked up bodybuilding magazines at that point. I'm like, "Well, how can I make this?" more and yeah. the motocross coach at the time was like dude what are you doing like you can't you can't be lifting weights in motocross like it doesn't work that way it's like being a sumo wrestler and trying to run a marathon you know like <laughs> you gotta be small you gotta be light and repetitive um so i kind of put that in the back burner for a long time um when as far as school goes i always liked exercise trying to think about something i could do you know when you're young you're like trying to find something to do that you like and i'm like well i love exercise it'd be cool to like you know be a strength coach or something so I initially wanted to be a strength coach. And then halfway through, I decided that I like nutrition better. I felt that nutrition changed people's changed people faster with even a mediocre training program versus like a shit diet and then like a good training program. So I changed my major to being a dietitian. But during that time, I did start bodybuilding once I finished racing motocross. And um, how my business all started, and it was never on purpose, was just I had somebody help me do a show with my sister's ex-boyfriend for a prep and I didn't do very well. Um, and then I picked up all Chris Aceto's books, read them all, and then did my own prep that following year. And I came on stage like 16 pounds heavier and better shape. And I won uh, my class and I did drastic ground and people in my gym noticed that. 
and some dude walked over to me and he goes, Hey man, um, I'm so-and-so you look great this year. What did you do differently from last year? I'm like, Oh, I read these books. You can have them if you want. And he goes, no, I was wondering if I could pay you to help me. Mm. And like, you know, back in our day when we had more of like, we know where we stood. I was like, bro, I don't know what I'm doing. Like (laughs) today, day and age, you get some person, people (laughs) on show and they're a coach, but I'm like, dude, I have no idea what I'm doing. And he goes, I'm like, I can't help you. He's like, no, no, you do. You can help me. I'm like, I can't. And he's like, dude, just please help me. And I'm like, fine, give me 50 bucks. And he gave me 50 bucks and I helped him and he did well that following year. His buddy goes, what did you do? He's like, well, this guy at the gym helped me. And then that's how it started. I never advertised. It was just word of mouth. I never, it was just like, great. I get extra side money while I'm in college right now. Right. Right. A few bucks here and there to help pay for food and bodybuilding stuff and all that. And then over through the course of me competing and in college, I started to build more and more clients. And then I started to, for some reason, weird enough, because I wasn't natural at the time, I helped a lot of natural guys compete locally. And um, I remember one show I had, coincidentally, I had six people in the overall together in every weight class. That's awesome. And then three of them, two of them, two of them got their pro card. And then after that, I had tons of natural bodybuilders reach out to me to help them. Um, because I think, believe at that time, uh, us unnatural guys had a little greater standard of condition than mm-hmm. the natural guys at the current time and back in we're going back to 2007. So like I just kept dieting them to their leaner, you know, like they weren't used to pushing that hard. And then all of a sudden they're doing well at the natural shows. And then people at the gym started being like, Hey, I don't want to do a show, but can you help me lose body fat? Gears down the line, it just progressed and progressed and progressed till eventually after me becoming an RD, getting my master's and working in a hospital, I looked at my wife at the time, my, my girlfriend at the time, I'm like, I'm making twice the amount of money with my coaching business and I am as a dietitian full-time, like I think I'm going to cut the cord. Yeah. Uh, and then I ended up cutting the cord and becoming a full-time coach. And then my wife, now girlfriend, then quit her job and started helping me. And then she's my wife now. And here we are. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. Cause that almost word for word down to the Chris Aceto books, the, uh, yep. with the gym, the only thing different for me would have been instead of a dietitian, it was exercise physiologist at the hospital. <laughs> but oh, that nice. was like identical to my story. That's hilarious. Even even like saying, you know, I'm making twice as much coaching. Why am I still here? It, it's funny hearing that. But yeah, that's almost the exact same path my my whole thing evolved to. Wasn't it hard to let go at first? You're like, I'm not oh, sure. So hard. I, well, I did it twice because <laughs> okay. I was a because I worked at the hospital. I did I was actually a physiologist. I did echocardiograms, and then I went back to grad school for physics. And then after after that, uh, I I worked as an engineer for about five years. And I went through the same process again, because I when I was in grad school, I kind of really wasn't coaching. And I, I didn't think people would remember me, you know, it'd been, you know, several years, and I started coaching again in the same path. And then and this time, it was like, man, I'm making more than twice as much as I'm as an engineer. But it's like, I make great money as an engineer, you know, the health benefits, you know, 401k, it's like, and I had a like a great job, I was a lead testing controls engineer, you know, no complete autonomy, I worked at two different plants. I, you know, as long, I had projects, but my projects were like year long projects, you know, and as long as the, they were completed by the end of the year, no, you know, it was no one, no one tracked me. And so it was like an incredible job. The main, the main campus I worked at was five, five, six miles from my house, but it was, <clears throat> it's hard because you think, 
even though you're like, man, I'm, I'm only doing this part time a couple hours a day and it's making twice as much. What if I did this eight hours a day or 10 hours a day? But then you, you think like, you know, of course, it's going to make more money, but there's no way it's going to make all that I'm taking away from the my regular job, you know, right out of the gate. So we're going to take an income drop. But both times I thought that and both times I didn't. It was this once you once you're able to you know put all your efforts to it all day, it just takes off. Yeah, especially because you know that, and then you're like, "Oh, I'm going to work my ass off now." Oh yeah, mm -hmm. you got sure. panic mode. Yeah, yeah, because you're because <laughs> yeah. you're like you, you don't you only get like uh you only get so many. Just trust me to your wife or your girlfriend. You know, <laughs> you get you know if one of them fails, that's the last one you get. You know, and so you get like yeah. Let me, you know yeah I know I got a great gig. You know, health benefits and you know everything. It's great. But just trust me, I'm going to just lay it all on the line and go for broke, you know. So, but yeah, yeah. You, you panic and so you just grind. But. You know, what's funny about that is, and a lot of people who have their own business know, you know, working for yourself 60 hours a week is like equivalent to working for somebody else 30 hours a week, right? Yeah. It's like, right. it's you, you're at, you have a different mentality where you look oh, at the yeah. clock, you're like, I'm going to try to be done by eight. Well, that's, right. what, that's why I was late for this. I was still answering <laughs> yeah. email. I didn't even realize what time it was until I saw Joe's uh, his email pop up with uh, with the link. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, no. I, I always joke. It's like, yeah, start a business when you when you're willing to when you so you can work eighty hours a week to avoid working forty hours a week. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Well, hundred percent. I was gonna say it's funny you mentioned <clears throat> Chris Aceto because I had the books because I had the everything you need to know about fat loss. I believe it was the one Chris Aceto book, and then there was the bodybuilding. I think it was Q and A or something. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I had both of those. So yeah, that that was the early two thousands. Yeah, when I read those, but uh, that was that was a little bit that not a little bit a lot healthier than the. 1996 Dan Duchesne body opus book that I read in high school because <laughs> I don't think a high school kid should be reading that book, but <laughs> I may or may not have like got pretty freaky shredded. So find, there, it, like, there was a good was content. Find stuff. There weren't books. There weren't, you know, the internet was around, but, but I mean, by mid two thousands, it was more, but like <clears throat> when I was doing, it was like real early two thousands or late nineties. There wasn't anything, you know, you could like, you could find a, like a college textbook on nutritional science or something, but there was, there wasn't anything. Nothing. I remember pouring through Fred, ha Fred Hatfield's books, which were just so dense and like, they were, they were like written to a graduate student basically, you know, and I'm 15 years old or whatever, 18, you know, trying to, trying to, but there just wasn't anything out there. And not to mention, we to, at that time, like you know, back in 2004, 2005, all that era, we, we tended to be um, held victim to who's available in our own gym, right? It's like when I first started competing, I went to the front desk and I said, Hey, like, I want to compete in bodybuilding. Is there anybody in here that you know of that competes? And they're like, Well, so and so used to compete. I'm like, Great, I'll go talk to him. Right. Hey, yeah, yeah. I have a question. Oh, sorry, I can't help you, but you go talk to him. And yeah. then finding somebody that could help me. And, you know, I didn't get the best advice, but like I did whatever I could to find the best advice of the resources I had. And then the more time you're in it, then you meet more and more people. You know, I always think that's really the best approach. And bodybuilding back then, everything was just so not uh, advanced or technical. I bought my first posing trunks from Jaguar putting cash in an envelope and mailing it to them. <laughs> they didn't even have a website. They you, There would be pamphlets up at, at gyms, you know? And you'd like- hope, Western Union. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, yeah, you hope, like, posing suit comes eventually. But I think, 
I always uh, equate it to like, <clears throat> like, like if you ever hear like famous guitarists, I think you can see one of my guitars in the background. Uh, they like they never train musically, you know, like a Stevie Ray Vaughan. They don't read music and they they just learn it themselves. And even more so, they learned it at a time when like there were records, you know, and so they'd have to like scroll back on the record and put the needle down and hope to find and you know play by ear and figure it out. And it's you know like the way we have it now with the internet and everything, it's just so immediate and easy access. But I think that's almost a detriment. I, I try not to get on a rant here, but it's almost a detriment because when it's harder to get the information, you you know you, you don't get so much. But what you do get, you you pour over multiple times and and completely analyze it and you know turn it into your own information. When it's just thrown at you, it's just all this information everywhere. You know, when you have to really work for it, you appreciate it more. And and I think like uh, not not to get completely off topic, but I think that'll be a big problem because I think at some point, especially with AI going where it is, we're going to have universal basic income. Or we're just going to have sixty-seven percent of GDP is service industry. When when robots can do that, that's two thirds of the economy doesn't need they're they're not employable anymore. But so you think like you know universal basic income, you you got all this time to to do whatever you want. You know you can be the next Mozart and stuff. And it's like no, it never works that way. If you don't have the hardship, you know like it just you don't value it enough. When we have universal income in this country, suicide and depression is going to go through the roof. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because we're just not built for that. You know, we're, we haven't evolved from you wake up. Hey, I made it through the night. This is the best day ever. Oh, I'm hungry. <laughs> hey, I found an animal to kill. This is the best day ever. You know, now, hey, I found a cave to sleep in. This is the best day ever. We don't have like, like what makes us happy. We don't know that. We're just, we're still like built on, I have a basic need. When I meet that need, it's great. You know, when all those needs are automatically. Uh-oh, he froze. Yeah, he froze in my son. He'll come back around. This always this this happens to me sometimes too with my podcast, and all of a sudden he'll jump back in. Yeah, just pick up and that there's the speed quit speed talk, right? Uh this usually stream aired will catch it, but um Oh, there you are, Justin. Booted, yeah, I think they booted me. Even streaming, I was like, shut this guy up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right, though. Like, uh, as humans, we need to be challenged. We need adversity. We need purpose. And we need we need that. If we don't have that, you know, ultimately, people are just going to commit suicide, be depressed, be permanently medicated. Yeah, That's I think, it. I mean, for any, any person who excels in any field and anything – they always have their overcome story. You know, they have their hardship story, the stuff that they had to work through. You know, you, it's, we think of it, we think like everyone at the top has the story of, oh yeah, my dad just handed me everything. But that's not the case at all. Even with money, 70% uh, of million, or I can't, I can't, these numbers might be reversed. 70% of millionaires are self-made first generation millionaires. And 90% of those will have lost all the family wealth by the third generation. Because when it's when it's handed to you, when it's easy, you don't value it. So there's very few multi generational wealth. It's almost all, you know, like an Elon Musk would be maybe second generation. His father had some money, but like his kids probably are already not gonna, are going to blow it all. You know, right. it's just like that's just how it works. You, the first person works hard. The next generation, you know, has it easy, and then the next generation never knows anything but easy, and they just ruin it. I I will say too, like because you know you started bodybuilding before me. Um, I did enjoy bodybuilding more in the beginning. Oh, I actually really enjoyed it up until about 2014. Mm. Um, and then it's almost started, the same, it's same story again. <laughs> yeah. And then it started to kind of take a sharp decline. It was really fun only 
you know, people in the gym only knowing that you're competing, you know, and then you're going to the show. You have no idea who's going to be there. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, I saw that guy last year here too. You know? And then, you know, back in the day though, nobody was really friendly <laughs> at all. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. No. Yeah, I hated that about bodybuilding. I feel I feels like it's a little bit better now. I think because the UK is very friendly, and I don't know if that's like kind of carrying over more or the the social media aspect. And maybe that's one benefit of social media. But I, yeah, it was it was very different. I remember my culture shock was, you know, you do like like the Mister Michigan, the state show, and like all the guys from the gym are rooting you on. Your family's in the audience. You know, you know half the guys on stage from your gym. It's all fun and you know exciting. And you think the sport's great. And I remember going doing my first national show and the first guy I talked to, he's, he starts telling me, he's like, man, my bitch wife, she divorced me at four weeks out. You believe that shit? Four weeks out of my contest, she's going to throw that on me. And I'm like, dude, you just threw away a marriage for this. You know, like <laughs> you're not going to take top 15. And another, the next guy I talked to told me how he spent, I can't remember if it was 15,000 or 30,000, but as a young kid at the time, it was, it sounded like a million dollars spent on gear for the c contest. And the same thing, he was no no chance at turning pro. And I was just like, wow, this next level is a different different beast than like my fun, you know, doing the state show with my buddies. Yeah. Yeah, he was funny about being unfriendly. Like I you're right, social media has kind of brought people together for sure. You know, like, you know, I mean, we would be never having this conversation, you know. Yeah, if right. we, wasn't, we wouldn't know who anybody is, it would always be like word of mouth. Um and, and there is its positives, but I still enjoy it more when people competed just for them, yeah. and not for recognition. Because let's be honest, not to be negative, but I mean, it, it is true. 50% of the people competing now wouldn't be competing if there wasn't any social media. No, no, you, you even see it. I mean, like you can go to the gym and you can watch the people film their workouts. And I've even caught myself, like I've noticed this with myself if I'm ever filming sets. I'll like, I'll catch myself thinking like, well, I'm going to film the next set. Let me leave something in the tank this set, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, no, what am I, you know, no, that's not what I do any of this for. You know, like I, I'll do what I, what I get on the set, but I'm not hold back just for the camp. But you like, it's, it's a weird, uh, because when you're just in the gym for yourself, that thought isn't a thought, you know, when you're just yeah. competing for yourself, that's your only thought is doing the best you can for the contest, not what your check-in pictures are going to look like on Instagram or how you, what you're, post is going to say whether you won or lost, you know, who you're going to thank and who hash, who you're going to hashtag bank, you know, in the, the I'm still not, I, I still, I've never been able to get into that completely. When I got sponsored by animal and I had to do these obligations, it was so weird to me. And they're like, Oh, you got to do this. And I'm like, I'm like post two stories a week. I, go, <laughs> I was like, that is insane. And then I look at some people that are posting like two stories every day. And oh, I li my kid, like you see the kids with Snapchat, they'll do hundreds a day. They don't even, they don't even matter anymore. They just like press the button and take random pictures of the world. So they keep their snap street going with it. Like, it's just a weird, like it's a whole, cause I think our generation, we're the last where the internet wasn't real, you know, it, it, like it never, I, I don't, I like when people troll. Uh, in the comments. So if anyone's listening, you want to make fun of like my terrible camera color right now, or the sweat billowing off my face because it's 100 degrees in Michigan, make fun of me. See how good uh, you can with the comments. Because to me, it's not real. But like the, like my kids and stuff that grew up with the internet, it's a, it is different because it is that's their real world. Like you know, to me, Instagram is some silly thing that I have to post on for business or that I get to goof around on when I'm bored. For them, that's their social world. Maybe not Instagram, Snapchat, or whatever the kids are using now. But 
it's it's a very weird it's a different like we have a just totally different view of, of the world from the younger generation yeah i can't get on board with it i can't <laughs> <laughs> it's hard i don't i i, I can't either i don't want to be I don't want to be that old guy who just lets technology pass him by because I feel like that's just the world eventually just passes you by. Oh, you dude, know? it's going to happen to both of us. It's happened to I know, but I want to delay it as much because I, I feel like that, that's like a that's the first that's the first step of dying, really. You know, like I don't want to ever be because because you, you know, t like the world is cooler and more exciting today than it was a hundred years ago or two hundred years ago, and that's yeah, because yeah. of technology, you know. And just because it's like hard for me to learn it because it's not my world anymore. I don't want to just completely poo-poo every new thing, but it is hard to keep keep up with it because I, I can't do the Snapchat. <laughs> I don't know how it works. I can't figure it out. I probably would help the business, but I, see, I already, like I say, I don't want to do it and here I am doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, just kind of just transition back to some of the nutrition part. I mean, I think just kind of high level, I'll show people this out there too. Cause I, you know, I know, uh, probably a lot of our viewers uh, would imagine know a lot about you from the bodybuilding side, but I think this kind of, you know, kind of cool from your site, just overall, like, you know, uh, you and, and your wife working together and just kind of the wide range of things. I'm just that you guys have uh, some background and I'm just curious, you know, do you find that working in like the medical field is in dietetics, you know, has that helped you uh, more with like general population than say bodybuilding clients, or is that something that, um, you know, how does that, how does that kind of cross over for you? Um, when people ask me that, and I do get asked that a lot, I can say that learning what I learned, my master's program in nutrition, my internship and my undergrad doesn't have anything to do with getting a bodybuilder in shape, right? Mm -hmm. For a contest prep, it just doesn't. However, education and going through studies, understanding P values, how to read things, you know, people pick things up in abstract. I'm like, Oh, this is what the study says. I'm like, that's not what the study says. So being well-versed in that has made me um, not so gullible to trends that are constantly changing within the industry, right? Yeah. Where there's always this next best thing. And I'm like, is it though? And then you kind of look at it a little more closely and it's like, no, it's not, you know, or I have my clients will send me an article about written about fish oil, increasing prostate cancer of old men. I'm like, what? <laughs> and then as soon as you start looking more into it, you're like, that's not what the study said. This bonehead right. wrote the article, totally took out of context. Education's helped me in that standpoint. It's also helped me, I, I believe, that um, I guess taking a more, what's the word for it? Taking the right approach with people. A lot of people in the industry who don't have a lot of education or experience kind of throw the kitchen sink at everything, at everybody. Yeah. It doesn't mean bodybuilding, bodybuilding drugs. It just means like, you want, you want weight loss? Okay, we're going to do this for cardio, this low carbs, and we're going to take all these supplements when mm -hmm. it's not appropriate, right? Right. You take what you need to do for the individual and individual purpose. Um, but of course, it's not intimidating for me to help type 1 diabetics with insulin. Sure. Like before, if somebody doesn't have that type of uh, understanding of how to help somebody with an insulin pump, you know, like they don't understand it. I understand it. You know, I spent a lot of time in the ICU doing TPN bags and all that. So I have a good general understanding. And of course, lab work. Like I had a very good understanding of lab work way before, you know, I was lab work became the talk of the town and bodybuilding right. now, you know? Right. Um, and then of course I have the most ultimate resource of all time. My father was a physician. Mm. Uh, so I, I can't even tell you how many times I called my dad. I'm like, dad, what does this mean? You know, like how do these numbers coincide with each other? 
and he's a really smart individual. My dad went to Harvard. I always say, I'm always like, Dad, what happened to me? You know, <laughs> uh, so he'll explain to me things in you know layman's terms to kind of understand the grasp, the cause and effect. So it's been great in that aspect. But um, uh, no, I would say the biggest resources ultimately is you know it's everything, education, experience, and then obviously all the hundreds of thousands of questions I've asked my dad over the years. <clears throat> No, I think it's a great point. I know Justin's going to comment on studies, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> he's had uh, a few rants recently. Yeah, we got to have you on more often because you're, you're basically giving – you gave my life story, and then now you're going on my study rant. We talk about that all the time. No one reads the studies. It's like one of my favorite sayings. No, and no one knows how to. And like no. you just said, reads the abstract. And we, I go on a rant probably nine out of ten podcasts about this, you know. It's not that hard to learn to read. They, they always give the data and like, you know – milligrams per kilogram, you know, which is, you know, like if you get a number or a dose or anything, and it, that can be kind of confusing because it's like, how do I convert it? And I say, you don't really, you can get a rough estimation by just saying most men are about a hundred kilograms. So just multiply whatever that number is by a hundred. You know, if it's, we gave test subject a 2.4 milligrams per kilogram, you gave them about 240 milligrams, you know? And so that gets you through that section. And then you can, then the graphs make more sense to you. And it's, you know, but no one takes the time to learn how to read a study or read a study. No. And, and people also don't understand their own confirmation bias, right? Yeah. Like if you're in Google and you're like, keto diet's healthy. Oh, you're, you're going to type in benefits of a keto diet. Yeah, well, of course, right. you're going to get every article that says keto diet's beneficial, right? Right, right, right. right? Um, but yeah, 100% with the studies. And just because a study's conclusion might be, hey, there's association with this, people go, oh, it causes that. Right. Mm -hmm. It, it, there's so much to studies and as you guys know and the best the best um i can't remember either lane norton said this somebody said this it's basically saying what's your stance on this well at this current time mm -hmm. research state this so this is where i'm at it could right. change tomorrow could yeah. change in a week and then people so it's they say so that's what you believe and it's like no that's it's not that i believe that yeah. this is what the study says that's all i'm, I'm a, I, I this is the science i'm just telling you what the current science is correct yeah. correct yeah yeah you're people not, want definite answers that's the problem yeah yeah you're not teaching like a you know philosophy uh, philosophy class right about what you believe and what you yeah, think yeah. it's more like this yeah, it doesn't this matter what i believe you know that, right. that's the beauty of science it doesn't matter where I went to school, how smart I am, how elegant my theory is. If it's not verified by experiment, it's wrong. It, it's like, it, you ever heard this too? It's like how you know if a health professional or somebody is well-versed is when you ask them a question about a topic, if they come back with a direct answer, you know they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, if they yeah. come back with you with multiple questions, yep, then you yep. probably know that he knows what he's talking about. Mm. Yeah, no, good point. So with uh, just to touch on the coaching as well, because you have uh, your wife and yourself on her, do, do the two of you work with like uh, ever the same client or is that does she kind of have her own lane and what she specializes yeah. in and then what you do mainly? Yeah. I have no idea who she has. No yeah. Idea. Never have. Yeah. So it's always been separate. You know, um, I've always been, you know, she, when she first came on, she was uh, mainly helping me stay organized with finances because I wasn't good at that. <laughs> My wife's like, do you know you have $13,000 pending payments for you? And I'm like, uh, I had no idea. <laughs> she organized all that in the books and uh, et cetera. And then eventually I taught her a lot with nutrition. She took some nutrition courses, some certifications, and then she started help some general weight loss. Um, and then over the years, she became a little more well-versed and then started helping competitors. And 
um, et cetera. And then uh, she does less competitors now, general weight loss. And she started uh, an investment business, uh, Total Equity. It's like investing in uh, apartment complexes and things like that to help more of our money work for us instead of having a bunch of money in the bank. Sure. And, yeah. so that's, that's, uh, once again, I got ETI Capital. So. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, and I was looking at your your coach's page. We were kind of talking about this before too. Just to, uh, if we could. I'll tell you this, dude. I'm terrible at keeping things updated, and I'm terrible at marketing. Same. It's all good. Yeah. Same. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I can still find pictures sometimes. So I dug this one yeah. up. So just uh, Jordan Hutchinson. So, um, cause this was his pro debut, right? Correct. Yeah. So, and it was what fifth at a uh, tech, the Texas pro. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I, I watched a lot of his progress after we had him on the podcast, you know, great, great guy. And just kind of was like, you know, rooting for him uh, uh, as he was kind of going through that prep and then put, put two and two together. And you know, early on that uh, you were coaching him. So just curious to any, you know, uh, insights or, or feedback on how the prep went and, and how you guys approached it. Uh, the prep went really well. Justin, uh, Jordan, Justin, uh, Jordan, um, I, I trust him to follow everything hundred percent. And you know how, like when you build a coach client relationship, you start to learn and understand what to ask that individual to get the correct feedback. Right. Because mm. you might ask a client, Hey man, are you fatigued? And they're like, dude, I feel great. Feel fine. But they're not fine. Right. Yeah. Where it's like I've learned and he's learned to communicate with me to know to get me to know the information that I need so I know what appropriate changes to make because some people forget that, right? We can look at pictures and answer questions from a, a client chart to get feedback to make change. But if they're not giving us the right feedback, sometimes we can make a mistake. Right. Uh, so ultimately and the, yep. sorry, sorry. And the, the best bodybuilders are the are the kind of the worst for that because they'll they're willing to kill themselves you know and so you know if you ask them if they're fatigued they they are but and they think like no no coach i can grind through anything you know I'll, I'll make it you know whatever you it's like no i know you'll i know you'll suffer through anything that's the problem we need to have you suffer through the right thing you know yeah. but yeah that so they're like the really good clients are a lot of times the hardest because they they will work themselves to the ground justin what i've learned to do with that is how i word it i go how has your fatigue changed over the last 72 mm, hours? Right. Smart, smart, that way yeah. it's not measuring that, that, that ego or that yeah, yeah. push. Are you more or less fatigued, you know, to get an idea because you look fatigued as shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> funny how you learn how, like you refine those things over the years, you know, cause same thing, like just with anything, you'll, it's it's always crazy to me how I'll have the way I respond to certain things, you know, like kind of things that get asked all the time. And you'll you'll be five years into giving this basic like approach to responding, and then someone will mis misinterpret it, you know. And then yeah. you're like, oh my god, how many people what, did someone else, you know? And you have to like, <laughs> reword, re relearn how to word it and stuff. And I have a whole folder full of things, like you know, organized like questions that come up often that are very easily misinterpreted, especially by someone in contest prep, you know, when their brain's all wonky. And yeah. I'll, I'll refine that all the time and, and until until they're finally, like after 20 years, just, you know, like so crisp and not a wasted word. And I, you know, like I know that my point's gonna get across properly. Yes, yeah, I've seen that all the time, yeah. 100%. But uh, no, Jordan's prep went really smooth. I mean, way smoother. Um, because I learned him, I kind of started where I needed to start. I knew how to push, but ultimately, which is incredible, is we managed his fatigue 
so freaking well that like, I mean, at the end of the last like five weeks, we're doing like 15, 20 minutes of cardio. Like mm-hmm. we, we never, we never, I think we never went above 35 minutes of cardio. Um, and then mainly did some step counts around, I think around nine K day, his food never got low. His refeeds were relatively aggressive, progressively aggressive. So like as the ball's rolling, he's getting leaner and leaner. Okay. Your high days are not yielding the same response. Let's jack the high days up. And mm. then towards the end is like four, 520 grams of rice in a, in a meal, like the carbs to carb them up and, he would gain like three pounds, four pounds, and it would come down like that, you know. Um, but it went That's really good. well. It was, it was a very easy prep. I remember he told me, he's like, Chris, he's like, this prep felt like it was nothing, like compared to what we had to do in the past um, to get in shape. Because last time he, he got really, when he came to me, he was really chubby when we we're getting ready for his uh, warm up show and then for USA's. Um, he was like, oh, I think close to 290. Yeah, he said, yeah, he, he, he said he was pretty big. Four two twenty five for USA's, um, but the prep went great. I have no issues with it at all. Um, you know, the only downfall, just like anything in any coach, is when you're used to seeing the set of pictures in the same spot or multiple spots, and then you see them in person. Right? Mm-hmm. It's never going to match exactly. Yeah. Right. So when he came to me off the plane, you know, at first I'm like, "Geez, he doesn't look quite as hard as the pictures are displaying." I'm like, did I need another 10 days or not? I'm like, he just get off the plane. So he was flying. He is flat. Let's just see what happens the next day. Because he stayed at my house for five days prior. Looked at him every day. He was getting better a little every day. But like still not the same hardness that I wanted to see, right? So I was like, I got to dig in my bag of tricks here. So like thinking about how he was responding um, with our mock carb ups the last few weeks. Because he was ready a few weeks ago, right? Mm. So I'm like, all right. So this is what we're going to do. We're still going to continue our plan um, because I'm looking at him like, A, it's either he's flat and the heart is not coming out, right? Or B, we need to use uh, a mild diuretic this time. Uh, because last time we didn't really use any. And then we might need – it might be water. So did a high, high-carb Wednesday like we're normally planning to do. I looked at him uh, Thursday morning. He got a little harder. Glutes were a little tighter. I'm like, okay, it's positive. So we did another carb up day, which we initially planned on we're going to do. And we're going to plan on doing high carb Wednesday, high carb Thursday, pull back the carbs on Friday Mm -hmm. to get the gut and stomach to stay smaller and tighter, Mm -hmm. all the excess food. So I said to him, I go, dude, I want to do a trial. We're going to do like one third of a diazide Thursday night. And just to take a look at your look in the morning to see how much water comes off and to see if you get flat. So Friday morning, woke up, glutes are completely peeled, strided to the Tight as can be, but everything else got flat. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, this is not a glute show, you know. As we know, in open bodybuilding today, not every most open bodybuilders don't have striated glutes, but they're blasting full, right? Mm-hmm. So like, dude, we're not going to use a diuretic Friday night. We're just not. I don't think it's a good idea. Now that you are dry, dry, I would assume even if we keep carbs a little higher than we initially planned on our lower day on Friday. We keep our water the same. I kept the water the same, 4.5 liters, 4.5 liters. I'm like, you're going to still going to be harder and fuller and drier Friday night than you were Thursday night. Mm -hmm. Wake up Saturday morning, and it was a pretty good look. And I'm like, dude, I like this look. We'll just do two solid meals beforehand. And it looked like he peaked perfectly for prejudging. It looked like everything came together when he came out and he was posing. 
popping like crazy. And I'm like, wow, that pump up worked. Everything worked. So when we got off stage, you know, we're looking up there like, oh, my God, like, he looks like he's going to be in the top five. We didn't expect that, right? It looks like he might even be fighting for maybe even third or fourth. We don't know. But uh, I guess he was fourth leaving prejudging. And so I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, dude, you already are a pretty good condition compared to the other two, third and fourth, but you're not as big as they are. Hmm. So we both made the call to come in fuller, which ended up being a mistake. Um, and then he ended up slipping to fifth. We're still happy with our decisions because it was a logical decision, right? It's like, mm-hmm. that's not, all you can do. Yeah. Yeah. That's not quite as conditioned. Let's push a little bit. And he ended up being on stage, I believe around two forty five ish at the night. Um, and then during prejudging is around like 242, 241. Um, so that just that little bit of water just kind of put them over. Not to mention, you know, walking around all day long on your feet. A lot of that fluid goes to the legs, the lower body, the glutes. Yeah. Um, but his feedback at night was very full, um, but he got a little, little softer. And mm-hmm. then uh, the other dude, I can't forget his name, Lewis, he got harder. So it kind of flip flopped. But he's very happy. We're very ecstatic. He looked good. Yeah, he looked great. <clears throat> what does that look like in between? Sorry, did you want to ask something, Justin? No. Um, no. I, well, I was going to comment about see, with the pictures versus in person. When I, if I'm with a client in person for the peak, I still do, do photos. I mean, I look at them in person, but I don't trust my eye in person. I've been doing it for 20 years with photos, dude. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I took a video. He's like, yeah. "Why are you taking a video?" Because I need to look at the video later and compare them. <laughs> yeah, you know what? And I, I, I have a like this. Only a few people would understand this, but I have a like a another example of where this happened somewhere else in the world. But uh, echocardiograms, heart ultrasounds, when they first came out, the technology was wasn't that great. You know, so the computer power, computing power wasn't that great. So they would just send the sound waves and it bounced back. Well, it would come back as a mirror image of the heart. And so for 20 years, that's how doctors learn to read it, you know, like you because you just learn to read what you're looking at. Well, then the tech, the computing power got good enough where the computer could analyze that and then, re, you know, reverse the mirror image and show the heart exactly how it is in the body. But the doctors couldn't read it because for 20 years they had been looking at a, at a mirror image of the echocardiogram and they know what everything looks like. They know when, you know, they put color on it, like what red means in this direction, that direction. And you're used to seeing it. And so when they looked at actually anatomically correct, they had never seen it that way in an, in an ultrasound before. And I would say it's like that, you know, even though like, yes, I know you look at yourself in person and you're used to that. And so the pictures seem harder to judge, but... I see pictures all day, every day for 20 years. It, I, I don't see someone in person every day, all day. So, yeah, I always use, I, even when I'm in, in person, I still take pictures, video. Yeah. And then lighting can change. Like he was in my bathroom, right? And like in the morning time, yields the best light because it's still dark to the window. Yeah. And at night, the same thing. So, all of a sudden, like 10 a.m., you're like, did you get smoother? You know, it's yeah. light coming in, you know? So, I agree. I had to take a video each time. And I There's still a lot. Yeah. The There's area. a lot of tricks like that. I, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but I noticed this one time years ago on email because uh, the, the pictures would just kind of be a thumbnail at the bottom, you know, until you enlarge them. And I realized, like, for whatever reason, with the thumbnail, because you see the whole body right there, I could really tell whether that person was adding size or not. And so, I, so now... This episode is brought to you by First Attachment. First Attachment is an expert formulated supplement company founded by renowned coach Justin Harris. We've combined science with real world experience in each product. We are battle tested. Are you? 
Find your battle today at firstattachment.com. Like I've learned that if you want to gauge like size across an off season, compare thumbnail images from start of the off season to later when, cause if you, if they're all zoomed in and you can, anyone can do this. Like you can take a picture of like Ronnie Coleman in 98 versus 96 and you know, he was better in 98, but look at a high res large photo and compare where you're like, you're so zoomed in. You're like, is this lat bigger than that lat? I can't tell. And then yeah. you pull it out to the thumbnail. It's like, Oh yeah, that lat's obviously bigger. But when it's all zoomed in, it's kind of uh, there's like lots of little tricks like that you learn over the years. Yeah, it's it, you know that that should be a book on how to yeah. assess pictures and how to take pictures, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. You gotta get some get some uh, ebooks on your site, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so bad at that stuff. My wife's like, you gotta you gotta like like I'm not I don't like doing content like the content I create I don't like doing it. Oh, yeah. Sorry. And uh, she's like, you gotta do this, you gotta do this, and I'm like, I don't want to do it. I just like to be in my little world in my little thing and keep things simple. But um, you're right. There's a lot of, there's so much information that could be easily displayed in an ebook or something that'd be very helpful for a lot of people. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's hard though. It's like, cause you, you have something you're passionate about. I, I want to be a really good nutritionist and coach, you know, right. that's, that's what I want to be the best coach that I can possibly be. That, but, to, but to be the best financial coach, you know, like you, you got to be, you got to learn our market. You got to, you know, you got to put out content. It's like, I don't want to do that. I just want to spend all my time getting better at coaching. Well, you get, you got some, you got some, uh, some fun content though, right? I mean, Oh, a juju game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh, you know, so you could always hit him up for, I think he's, I think he's decent at it. Right. Is he yeah. maybe okay <laughs> at social media? Awesome. <laughs> he might be okay at social media. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's nuts. Yeah, I think Justin, you had him uh, interviewed him a little while yeah. back, and uh, yeah, we had him on the on Goon Platoon. Uh, he's so high energy. He says he's not high energy though, which I just can't believe. He's, <laughs> but, a, he's a great dude. He's yeah, he's he's perfect. really nice. Yeah, yeah. he's he was a good good interview. <laughs> yeah, are you guys close by? Is that is that? Uh... Oh no no, um, he's in North Carolina. Oh okay. Did you, did you coach him for a little while or just? No, I helped to... him through lab work. I helped him. He wanted to uh, improve his lab work um, for some like life insurance stuff. Got it. Um, and I helped him through that because I actually do a lot of that for people. Um, I'm pretty good at manipulating labs um, through nutrition and fluid and whatnot to help people get, you know, um, past their labs for whatever. Um, life insurance is tough when you weigh a lot, you know. Oh, you always will lose that one. That's, yeah, one, right. that's one tick mark you're never going to get. But it's, it, they they really dock you. For, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like everything, I had the hardest time when I even as an engineer uh, when I because like because they would come in, you know, like the you do like life insurance would be eight eight times eight years pay or whatever, uh, and that would be like the upper limit. And you know, I would apply for that, and they, to get that, someone has to come in. I'd get blood work. My blood work would be good, and then they have to do like a physical. Well, they'd measure me, and I'm like, you know like 5'10", 270, and you'll never pass. And I had one lady who was really cool, and she 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 lied and said I was 6'1", and she dropped 25 pounds off. And I think I still had to go through like a second round of things to get approved. Yeah, you like well, it depends on the insurance. That was a tough one. You always get approved if your BMI is high. You just get a higher rate. You're gonna have to pay a lot more money. Yeah, this is for like for the for to get it through the through work where they yeah. cover it. Yeah, where it was like a, almost zero premium. Yeah, they look at renal function, they look at BMI, blood pressure, drug tests. Those yeah. are the biggies and liver. Yeah, um, obviously they don't want to take anybody who's gonna be on dialysis who's gonna have sources of liver and then have them. Pass that's, well, that's hard too when it, to get creatinine down when someone's carrying a lot of muscle. 
Yeah, Why don't they use the statin C? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So with uh, going back to Jordan's prep, just a couple of follow-up questions too I wanted to hit. Um, did you did you coach him during his offseason? Because I noticed in his offseason, oh, yeah. he's on some weight and I've stayed been pretty him, tight. I've yeah. been with him straight for four years now. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, was it because you mentioned before he was came to you pretty heavy? Was there anything that jumped out you at you? Maybe or maybe didn't jump out, but a little different in kind of how you worked with him from what he was doing before. Like, okay, so like I'll just tell you my whole thought process from the very beginning and keep it very simple. So when True. he first came to me, you know, he came from a, a very top tier coach, which we're not going to name him, but he wasn't really wasn't giving him the attention he needed, and a lot of times that's what ends up happening, right? Um, so I ended up helping him and he was very, very heavy, obviously heavy, more heavy than I want. So, you know, I don't remember exactly how long we, oh, we, I do remember we started 24 weeks out from USA's dieting and it was 20 weeks out from his warm up show or qualifying show. And I would say during that time, I was a little concerned because of how heavy he was. And when you know somebody that heavy, who's like technically fat. You don't know how quickly they're going to respond. You don't know if there's going to be like a five-week lag period where their body's just stale, their insulin sensitivity shot. You don't know anything. Mm -hmm. But he ended up responding very well. Mm -hmm. And I did remember that. Um, I did have to push him pretty hard because we couldn't average just one and a half pounds per week, right? At that point, we had to speed it up. So obviously, we did hit a couple sticking points, but we bursted through them, did the typical refeeds. He was doing more cardio then. His calories were lower um, overall. So this time around in prep, I did give him – we did start at 20 weeks again. Um, and I said to him, I go, dude, the, the plan, don't be intimidated by 20 weeks, but I need you relatively lean at 12 weeks out. Like, right. I want you late, relatively lean at 12 weeks out. I want fatigue low, and I want cardio almost non-existent. So you're freshy fresh, right? So like when you're when you're ramping up androgens and now I can bring food back, you know, mm. um, and then you can kind of cruise through all prep and it'd be very pain, uh, not as painstaking. And he really didn't lose almost, he didn't get flat ever, you know, bad flat. He obviously normal flat. Um, train performance was held almost the whole the entire time. He lost a little pressing strength, a little leg strength. Fatigue was managed. His sleep never broke down once. Oh, wow. Soundly through the entire prep. When he came to my house, he's like, dude, I thought sleep was good when I'm at home. He goes, I slept for like nine hours straight. I feel mm, great. Wow. <laughs> so that's another thing. You know, when sleep is really well, your body burns fat better as well. Body recovery is better. Um, but I knew that going in that he is going to burn fat relatively quicker. Now, as far as body fat percentage for Jordan, his set point – is definitely higher than your average open bodybuilder. He's mm -hmm. definitely not like a Lee Priest, but like he's definitely puts a little more body fat on than a lot of people might be like, oh, that's a little too much body fat. It, that's where he needs to be for him to grow. Mm -hmm. You know, because I'm not going to sit there battle a whole entire offseason keeping him lean if it's keeping his calories too low and he can't progress in the gym. So I really just kept the calories to a point where we're really supporting training performance and some body fat accumulated, and that's fine. And obviously it worked out fine. Um, this time around, hopefully we might be able to keep a, even a little bit leaner than he was the year before, which would be great. But again, I'm not worried if he gets a little heavier like he did, you know? Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. No, and I'm curious about the sleep and, you know, fatigued and things. Do you I'm trying to think of how to phrase this? Are there any uh, practices you use relative to, 
you know, fat burners or things like that uh, to help offset that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Trenbolone, I keep dangerously low mm-hmm. where people would be like, oh, are you lying? Uh, it just, I, it, as soon as you use trend and sleep deteriorates, we're going backwards. Man, right. it, having, I was around when, like, when it was prevalent. Yeah, prevalent. Uh, back in, like, in the late 90s, before there was trend, when it was just, like, from France. It, 150 milligrams a week was what, like, that was, because no one even used it, and no one could get it. But if you could, like, the pros were using, like, 150 a week. That's what, like, the real stuff, that's what people use. When I see the doses of that stuff now, it just blows my mind. Because I know a week. Oh my God. I remember like I remember people debating because it was 76 milligram ampules. And I remember like hearing like some guy at the gym got some, you know, and and you know, I was like, I think he's gonna try to do two in a week, you know. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's in a day. Oh yeah, it's wild. Um, But no, like you know, I I I told him that and I tell all my clients that, and that's one new practice I've utilized the last two years is really protecting sleep the best I can possible. And mm. one thing I always tell them, I go, dude, if you're using pre-workouts and your sleep is fine, fine. If your sleep is tearing, I'm pulling your pre-workouts. I don't mm. give a crap. You can tough out the first 10 minutes and break into your training because let's be honest, a lot of people want to go into the gym feeling like an animal. Well, right. it's okay to feel like shit the first 10 minutes and then warm up and you feel fine. Right. Um, I limit their caffeine usually to 500 milligrams or less. Hmm. Between, wow. before 1 p.m. Um, I definitely am not a huge advocate of a trend pusher at all. I like to keep that very, very low, low as possible, or until that threshold where there's side effects that are prevalent, right? Yeah. Um, Clen, I keep it very low. Uh, T3, I barely ever use. Um, and ultimately, sometimes I'll position a lot of carbohydrates around bedtime to help them relax and sleep. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny is like we're always like we can't eat carbs before bed. However, <laughs> think about this, right? It's like you get up in the morning and you're busy during the day, and you're actually eating more food when you're busy. Well, mentally, with the end of the day, when you're home in your own thoughts, fatigue setting and hunger is in, and you're trying to sleep, then you're going to ruin your sleep, drive up more fatigue, then you're going to move less, then you're going to expend less calories, then it's just going to be this cycle disaster of shit. So, yeah. um positioning more carbs around bedtime to help them relax, calm down, sleep. And then I stress to them, stop looking at your fucking phone <laughs> at night in bed. In right, yeah. It's like, for the love of God, you know, flip, 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 flip. You're never going to sleep. You know, put your phone away, um, watch TV in a dim lit room. That's fine. Have Dude. a routine too. If, if you have a, have a routine like every night, yeah, you probably yeah. just learn that like I'm going to sleep, you know, when, like, when you learn a routine, your body, it, you know, the body just knows it's going to sleep. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's and, the biggest thing. And I, I that, was, that was the last thing I was going to touch on was routine. I go go to sleep at the same time, get up at the same time. I go, it's just prep. You know, tell your wife it's for twelve weeks, and then you be done, and then you can go back to having a little more wiggle room. Um, and then, of course, sleep supplements. I got this from John Jewett. Um, Five HTP melatonin. Magnesium, and why can't I think of the last one? Dustinian uh, all? GABA. Oh, GABA. Yeah, but low yeah, dose, yeah. 2.5 milligrams of melatonin, 100 milligrams of 5-HTP, 400 mg of magnesium, and 250 milligrams of GABA. Mm-hmm. It's just just a, just a little, just to put you in that mode, not to give you any type of super, super drowsiness, you know? Yeah. No, that's helpful, I think, for a lot of 
a lot of people listening too. And it, and it's, uh, it's interesting to walk through that. Cause a couple of things you said, like, I know just through everyday life, I know if I have some stressful days or I didn't sleep for a day or two, cause just being too amped up at night, wherever the case is, I'll actually hold my carbs throughout the day. Cause if I look at car, like, you know, if I, I can easily overeat, I have larger, large person genetics. <laughs> so I have to keep it in check all the time, but I'd have my higher carb meal or even like a 30 or 40 sugary carbs with like a higher carb, just kind of get the little bit of that spike and then that full feeling just to help me sleep because it's like it's just it's a big difference um you know if i could do that and something to add to that too with people listening is you can go overboard if you eat too big a meal that right. can trash your sleep too you know that's a good point yeah, yeah right so it's like it, it's in context here of how you're using it but don't think it's a black and white like Largest meal of the day at night. Then Here we like, go. Oh, at, at least 10% of the people listening, that's what they heard when you said that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's almost a pound all your carbs right before bed. Yeah. <laughs> well, the I, I will say this. The worst thing was like, I was listening to Joe Rogan a couple years ago, right? And it just hit me. He's talking about how I was um, on and off Ambien for a lot of my like life from like early 20s, probably about 10 years, right? And he was just talking about how people freak out over like gummies or like a THC type thing. And I, I was never big into smoking weed or whatever. And if people are, that's fine. I don't care. But, um, but he, he'd get a comparison of the two and just how like, just, you know, violently nasty ambient could be on your body versus like a small gummy, like a half or a quarter of a gummy or something. And so my point of bringing that up is, so I did switch, I was able to get off it and I was using, you know, a CBD and THC gummy. But then the problem was if I forgot that I took it and I go to grab a snack, like it's game over. Cause it's like, oh, I, yeah. I, I naturally as being a bigger guy, I already have the, the munchies naturally. So you, you sprinkle yeah, you, you have to eat beforehand. Yes. And then, do it. Once and then go upstairs. Do not go back downstairs, no matter how high you are. Don't go down That's there. only if you want to look good. If you want to feel good, <laughs> well, then- yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That dopamine> release. <laughs> yeah, that's why all my all my Instagrams are just this. This is what you guys see. So, <laughs> but no, that's that's cool. What's funny, like you know, Justin, I know we were embraced this back in the day. It's like embrace the suck. You're gonna the worse you feel, the better you're gonna look. And I remember all those nights years ago of like three hours a night of sleep, all through preparation. And just slam an ephedrine ECA stack and whatever, oh, yeah. just oh, yeah. burn more fat, burn more fat. And here I am doing all these fat burning drugs, all this cardio, and low calories, and I still get, didn't get as shredded as the last time I did a prep. And I did like no cardio. I didn't do any of that, and I slept through the night. You know, yeah. It's, it, it, uh, yeah I was going to earlier when you were talking about like a schedule and stuff. You know, like like you were saying with Jordan and. I can't stress like that's that's so important and because it's hard with because a lot of bodybuilders, especially if they're professional and they don't have a day job and they don't have a set schedule, it just gets so wonky and they're up to 3 a.m. one night, then midnight the next. And and that's just terrible. I think part of the I think part of the reason I stayed in a day job for for so long was because I knew how how much hard how how much looser everything was on the weekend when I didn't have that tight schedule and how crisp my life was during the week when I, everything was on a schedule, I woke up at a certain time, you know, I went to work at a certain time, ate at a certain time. And so I, I mean, like that, I think that's a big thing with like the pros who have an open schedule is because you like, you just said when you're like up all night and then you're up early and you, your sleep is terrible and your body's just not running properly. Everything falls apart. Yeah. 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 Then they're app Even, even in the off season, if your sleep is all over the place, your appetite's crap. Yep. 
you're eating on a schedule. It's like, uh, oh my God, why can't I think of his name? I don't even want to mention it because I'm embarrassed. I don't remember his name. And I'm bad with names. So am I. From it's, UK, the giant. Um, James or J JP? No. James Halabar? No, not, not, not James. He was like on stage like 300 pounds. I had him on my I had him on my damn podcast. It's going to kill me. Yeah, it's killing me. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. <laughs> I follow him. Anyway, Milos trained him. and um, Not Martin Ford? No. no. Samson? No. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> like 3,000 carbs, 2,000 carbs a day, 3,000 carbs a day. And and I, I already knew the answer to this, but I wanted to ask him. I go, how do you get that food in in a day? And he goes, one key thing. I get up at the same time every day and I start my meal at that time every yeah. day. Because yeah. if I start my meal at 6 a.m., I'm on point. But if I sleep into 8, my meals at first meals at 8 30 he goes it's a wash yeah because then you're trying to squish the meals in together as the day goes on then your appetite just goes yeah. out. yeah no it's um i guess it's speaking of that too because we've you know talked to different coaches and things on the on the channel here are there any consistent you know tips or little little things that you have your athletes do to help get in more uh food throughout the day or any ways to maybe favorite dishes or things of that nature? Um, I, I, the biggest obstacle I see with the most people that I work with, obviously I'm not going to speak for everybody, but people fall into the convenience route, mm. right? It's convenient. It's quick. Well, convenient and quick comes with a cost, right? Mm. And that cost becomes repetitive, repet repetition, lack of variety. You lose interest in your food. Um, not to mention eating a diet that lacks variety eventually is going to starve your gut microbiome. Yeah. Eventually you're gonna develop digestive issues and then you're gonna be a damn mess. So I tell my clients, like, listen, man, I'm not asking you to be Chef Ramsey here. All right. Mm. But like you gotta put more effort into your food. You have to. Start the rice cooker every day, have fresh rice every day. Get up in the morning, have pre-prep it the night before, push start. By the time you take a shower, everything, it's done. Scoop fresh rice out, maybe sprinkle some fresh cilantro on there. Maybe get some infused lime olive oil and add lime olive oil to it. So you have cilantro lime rice. Like these are small, simple things you could do to increase your taste acuity and mm -hmm. excitement for your food. So like you got to put effort into it. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of bodybuilders are lazy when it comes oh, to yeah. that. Yeah. You know? um, and like I'm a dietitian, you know, you, you like you love nutrition. So it's like I put effort into my food every day, all day. I love it. And even I'm not bodybuilding anymore, I still do it. I love food. I want variety. I understand it. Um, people need to get into it more. It's funny. It's like they're willing to take any drug. They're willing to train hard in the gym, but they're not willing just to put in an extra 25, 30 minutes a day making food more palatable, yeah. ultimately where they can grow more and digest and simulate food better. Mm. Uh, and then, well, the frustrating thing is because guys always say, I'll force feed. I'll get it done. I'll, I don't care. I don't eat for taste. It's like, you, no, you'll force feed a meal. Yeah, you might force feed a day or a week. You're not going to force feed for 15 years. No one will because every single meal you force down, you are e you're even less hungry for the next meal. Right. And those are the same guys on the weekend. They're like, oh, bro, I totally blew it on Saturday. <laughs> I ended up doing this and eating that. And I just know I just needed a break, dude. I just needed a, re a reset. Reset. <laughs> and I'm like, I never needed a reset before. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, food's weird because you can, you know, like with a few simple things, it's just it's just being prepared. Because you can you can build an appetite to almost arbitrary levels. You know how hungry you are after a diet. You know what what's everyone want to do? They want to pig out and, and like and satisfy that and get rid of that hunger. Which of course that's what you want to do. But if you if you just stay like after the show, if you keep food clean and you keep calories very high, but just under their appetite, where their appetite's sky high, so your calories can still be really high, but you just keep it a little bit less than they want to eat. And you can almost extend that the entire off season. It, it, it takes months before they finally get saturated. And 100%. at the end, yeah, yeah at the end, they're eating. Tell my guys that all the time. Yeah, yeah. Your hunger ain't real. Yeah. I, I love this. I love this. Bro, my metabolism's ripping. I go, why do you say that? Bro, I'm hungry all the time. I'm like, dude, you gained 15 pounds in a week. Mm. Metabolism's not ripping. Okay. Your body's like in this mode of like dopamine release that feels good. Let's eat. Yeah, yeah. And insulin's present. Feed the insulin. Your body's telling you to eat. It's lying to you. Yeah. Like, yeah. I see the same thing. I had the conversation with Jordan today on the phone about our plan coming out in the next eight weeks and what that looks like because everybody goes, rebound, let's go. No, 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 no. We're gonna set you up. So instead of having an awesome eight-week rebound, you're going to have a six-month awesome off-season, eight weeks post-show. Yeah, uh, if you do it, if you do it properly, six months later, they're still hungry for all their meals, and their yeah. food is sky high, and their metabolism fat. actually will be ripping them. Yeah, and they're not fat. Yep, yep. <laughs> do you are, do you kind of do similar uh, like rotations on different days based on training, et cetera, with like their total caloric intake or? Just curious your high-level kind of it's, approach. It varies for mm. everybody. Like, for example, when I get somebody out of a show, they're on the same calories every day because I want them to prevent binge eating. I will start them out of the gate really high yeah. because I don't want them to be like, oh, dude, I cracked. I ate a bunch of ice cream. Shit. Well, now they say 7,000 calories in one sitting. I'm just garbage. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start them real aggressive and have a lot of variety. And they're like, oh, dude, this is so exciting. I can have dates. You know, like we get all excited about like random oh, stuff. Yeah. Grapes in my oatmeal? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oatmeal? Yeah, I get I get some waffles. I'm like, yeah, yeah man, just those waffles, you know. Um, <laughs> so I, I keep it high every day until they start to their relationship with food starts to reestablish. They start to become less food focused. <laughs> then I'll vary their calories on a training day and a non-training day. Um, but sometimes I also have lower high days in the off season to help keep that appetite up. Mm -hmm. um, even if it's on a training day, I don't care. They might be like, well, bro, aren't I supposed to gain muscle? I'm like, dude, one day of being near maintenance calories on a training day is not going to prevent you from getting muscle. All right. It's just going to help your liver recuperate from just smashing it with so much food all the time. You know, Well, what's funny is everyone thinks they need to like eat 8,000 calories above their BMR to gain any muscle. But then mm -hmm. those same people in prep, like, dude, bro, I think I'm growing into the show. It's like, aren't you the same person who insisted that if we didn't eat, put 10,000 calories down you, it would be impossible to add muscle. But now you're, now you're sure you're adding muscle on 3000 calories. It's funny. Now they're all insulin sensitive. So they get that more response to the food. So they get that. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you could, you could sport that entire year if you weren't so scale focused. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. You know, scale, well, scale, yeah, scale is terrible. Cause you know, 70% of our body is water. Like for bodybuilders, 10% is, is, is fat. You know, so yeah. the, the scale is measuring water. That's it. <laughs> you know, you know, I always say it's like it would be like using a, if we weighed our car every morning to see how much gas was in it. You know, 
So yes, yeah, it, weighs, yeah. it weighs less. When, but you know, if we got eight passengers in the car, we can't tell how much gas is in it. So it's same as you know, like yeah, if you want to weigh more, just let's just sodium load for two days. Boom, you gain fifteen pounds. Look, what a great off season, you know. Yeah, <laughs> body comp didn't change at all, but yeah, a hundred percent. So my my philosophy generally is it's very individual. You know, low days, high days, I use in prep, but uh, high days in prep are more like as they need them. Uh, low and high days, and they'll cycle them in the off season to keep their appetite going. Sometimes I just keep the calories relatively linear, where their calories might vary on the lower uh, on the non-training day versus an off day, which that would be their set low day. But that's only two days a week. Um, and uh, post show will always be a consistent amount of calories daily until their food focus decreases. Um, in training, as far as like carbohydrate positioning, I've become more of an advocate of centering more food around problems to uh, what is this putting food around problems meaning their training starts to break down well i'm going to mm. maybe start moving some food around training to see if that benefits them oh dude i felt so great today great i'm going to keep my carbs pre intra post a little bit less later on oh dude my sleep is terrible i'm wide awake i'm starving well maybe i'm going to move for some of that food to that to put out that fire right so it ends up being more individualistic than that. I don't, I don't keep carbs equally in every single meal during a diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do believe that a lot of people's like hunger hunger signals would vary from the day to day. Like, dude, I'm not hungry at all for the first three days, first two meals, and then I'm starving the rest of the day. Well, mm-hmm. dude, I'm gonna move it then. Or right. they're like, oh man, I'm a sales guy, walking all day long, and then I train at the end of the day. Well, sure, shit, not gonna have carbs in meals one, two, and three, right? Mm-hmm. I might keep them a little bit lower and backload them at the end of the day. Um, so I try to position around whatever problem I have to fix. Got it. No, it makes a lot of sense. That's, that's, that's helpful for a lot of people and take time to think of that. And I, I really like the couple ways to frame the questions, like you're saying, yeah. for people to respond about fatigue and sleep and activity versus like the ego kicking in, like, I got it, coach. I'm good. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, too bad they couldn't use that ego to make their meals. Right. right. Yeah. Make variety of meals, be on time, be planned, have a set schedule, be beast mode. When it comes to your sleep schedule, your grocery list, cooking, cooking, good variety of food and being consistent with that. Yeah, mode to come out. Bodybuilders are wild with that stuff. Cause it, like so self-motivated for some things and so not self-motivated, for, you know, it's like, they'll, they'll starve themselves near to death, do two hours of cardio a day, train no matter what, but you know, like a lot of them will struggle to keep a job or won't, pre- won't meal prep or, you know, it's like, yeah. I don't like the discrepancy here is just doesn't make sense to me. It's or, like, or getting lab work or getting lab yeah, work. Yeah. So or- you're up at 4am doing cardio without even thinking of, you know, like no, no debate, but, but you won't, you won't prepare your meals ahead of time or you won't get blood work or you, yeah. it's just, it's weird how it works. It is, it is, it is. But unfortunately I think there's so many more of us, I believe that are, we're all on the same page, essentially. Like I've been on a lot of podcasts, Justin. I'm, obviously, we're seeing a lot of eye to eye and a lot of things that uh, we've been talking about. And- yeah, it actually, pretty remarkable because it's something like uh, even like the, the I do the same thing after a show. Calories are really high, right. consistent. I don't cycle them right away because until until they get past the food focus part. You know, I say because if you if we don't either we do it now or you're you're going to binge. You know, like yep. I hate the people that. Reverse, reverse diet right out of the show and it's like they add 200 calories to what they were at, at two weeks out oh so, you know, no one's following that no one they, they might oh. tell you they are 
but it's they're not. Quite a few people that do that. Yeah, no, I see a lot. Yeah, a lot yeah. of clients, coach, we're not gonna reverse diet. I'm like, no, because you're not gonna reverse diet. I can tell you to do that, but like, this is the reverse diet. This yeah, is yeah. it. Right now, yeah, if we don't get it. If we don't get ahead of your raging hunger hormones, we're not. We can't start the proper off season until we get there. So the yeah. sooner we get there, the better. Hundred percent. But I've been in a lot of podcasts too. Like you know, I start talking about my approach on things, and there's a lot more eye to eye than I thought. You know, mm. like oh shit, you found that too. Oh shit, you're doing the same thing. That's great. And it's not like we ever talked before, you know, yeah. but we found that same sort of pattern and used that solution to follow to fix those problems, you know? Yeah. Well, one of my pet peeves is when people talk about evidence-based, uh, everyone says they do evidence-based research. And I'm like, you're not doing real, you know, like you don't have a control group or we yeah. we're all like doing if if evidence-based means I notice when my client does this, and then this happens. Then that's how everyone lives their life. But this but is all anecdotal. <laughs> yeah, but that is. I mean, that is kind of. It makes sense that a lot of us would fall into the same thing, you know, because if you understand how the human body works, you know, you'll you'll understand that there's certain change, certain certain things that you would expect will work, you know, and then over the over time, you find out which ones actually do, you know, and so it makes sense why a lot of us would fall into similar approaches. Justin, we've done hundreds of anecdotal studies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Evidence-based research. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think the uh, one of the the last things, uh, you know, I know we uh, coming up on time a little bit, and I appreciate you you jumping on here. But uh, one of the things I was going to ask you about was, um, you have like a a hydration drink you formulated. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, more. So you, everybody's familiar with um, Mio, right? Mm -hmm. so it's like it's, I have so I had so many problems with people um, drinking enough water, mainly my general population clients, right? And um, some of them also have issues with like adding salt to food. They don't like salt, you know. Right. It blows my mind. Huh? Yeah. So I'm like, man, like it'd be nice to come up with a different flavor enhancer that ended up um, a water enhancer that had a little bit of mineral component where people can add to their drink. And they can incentivize it the hydration in a day. And that's really kind of like the key thing is like, we're not a sports drink. We're not a hydration game towards a small niche group where you're trying to rehydrate after ultra marathon. This is solely to put in your water to add flavor, to incentivize overall hydration in a day, but it's not going to, it contains the right amount of sodium, potassium, magnesium, where you're not going to over consume it. Like you can't drink 128 ounces of Gatorade in a day, right? Right. It's just, that's way too much sodium potassium. Um, so this will deliver just a little bit to help you stay hydrated, um, help give some obviously electrolyte balance, et cetera. Um, and it tastes great. And, and one thing we tried so hard, it took so long, almost 355 days to nail down the flavor um, that everybody preferred this over Mio. Um, the lemonade and the sweet tea. And we got two new flavors coming out, mango, peach, and blue raz. Um, so that's been a little project of my partner and I, we've been working on, but you know, bring things to market. It's not an easy task. Let no. me tell you, holy smokes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> it looks easy on paper, man. But when you start doing it, you're just like, nobody yeah. does what they say they're going to do. No, nope. never meet the deadline. No nope. supply chain stuff. Oh, find suppliers, find manufacturer, get them a warehouse. How Oh yeah. Who, who's who's handling distribution fulfillment? Where's money coming from? Yeah. Who's who's dealing with shipping? Are you getting the best shipping rates? Or, yeah, nope. Nope. We're gonna start shipping in-house now because our 3PL was just you know not 
it's costing too much. No, we're in, yeah, we're in supply manufacturing hell ourselves right now with the supplement company. So it's wild, isn't it? Yeah. Wild. And then yeah. also, especially if you, if you don't, if you're not like supplying enough, you know, you're not purchasing enough. They're like, you know, you're just not worth for us kept kepping on. You're going to have to find another, uh, uh, um, and, 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 your, and and your 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 manufacturing costs are inversely proportional to your you know your product volume. So when you're yeah. starting out and you and you need the best prices, you get the worst prices. Yeah, and, and you get no priority, and you yep. get lied to. And well, that's a, we had to talk to one, two different reps, but one in particular at a company. I was just like, we have a great strategy. I'm like, we are literally using a fifth of like our way to get education out there and blah, blah, blah. Cause we keep selling out because you keep yeah, missing yeah. deadlines. I'm like, please just help us. It will be the, one of the big guys. Yeah, people lie, yeah, lie about I'm like, that, just yeah. give me. And that was the yeah. other one I talked to. I said, just, I don't care. No news is the worst news. You know, just give me, if it's bad news and it's going to take an extra four weeks, let me know. So I don't, we don't do a pre-sale. And then people are like, where's yeah. my stuff? You know, or whatever, you know, yeah. how it is. and it never ends marketing strategy. How much are you spending on marketing or hiring a marketing yeah. team? Who's doing your videos or you, you got a copywriter, you got, it's like, and then every time you, you, your revenue increases, it just goes right into another employee that sucks it all up. But, but they bring a new revenue that you get to throw into another employee. And, and like with a supplement company, we're, we're, Two years in, and and still neither of us taking a penny of salary. We still zero, oh, you know, yeah. zero yeah. income. No, and probably another year before we'll get there. You know, and it's like, and, and it's worth that because you throw all of every, you throw all your personal wealth into it. You know, you like like being a business owner. People like when you're a successful business owner, everyone hates you. You know, because must be nice. All you know, like it's like you have no idea. I you know, like you you risk it all all the time. It's not like once, like you know, like I'm going to risk my retirement savings on this. It's like you risk it all the time over and over. And every time you, you know, you, you get a new breakthrough, you, you know, if you're going to go big, you got to throw it all risk it all again on the next level. But I don't know. I don't know the, the, the people that, and there's those people that think that the business owner who's doing well, he should make that much money. He should share what he's making with us. Well, he's taking all the damn risk. Right. <laughs> all And then people don't understand the risk. Cause you get, you have a job, you risk, you get fired. You just go to indeed and find another job. Like if your business fails, you're done. You're at zero, no retirement. No, you, and, and you know, debt. yeah. And you're <laughs> yeah. bankrupt. Yeah. You lose the house, you know, you, uh, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's scary. And, and then, yeah, when it pays off, it pays off big, you know, much bigger than a job would pay off. But the risk, you know, and, and it's so delayed, you know, it's, you, you know, you risk everything for nothing for years, you know. So. I was going to make one more comment. I, I didn't realize that when I was looking at it before we uh, started the show too, that it's like, uh, you know, can be used for general populations. So I think that's a really cool application because literally I was just talking to two people I know they don't exercise, you know, just your average, you know, general population people. And they started getting migraines and, you know, I'm, I'm no expert in this area, you know, kind of like a, I, I read a headline of a study No, I mean about this specific topic, but I just mentioned like, Hey, something you might want to look into is like the combination of hydration, but that's not, they can, Oh, I drink a lot of water. It's like, it's not just water. Like look at all your electrolytes and, and kind of briefly, you know, point them in the direction of people that actually research in that area to like, just, you know, check this out. It might help you. And I, and each time it was just, you know, the electrolyte balance was just so far off to it. You know, I'm not a doctor as far as uh, the point uh, is that the the cause of that, but it seemed to from, you know, anecdotal, what they were saying, just, you know, helped relieve it or make it less uh, intense for them when they had it. Yeah, so I just, it, I think it, a lot it, of people get that. Downfall too, is that there's a lot of products in the market now that 
our aim for hydration, mm. but aim for hydration for specific time periods, not to be consumed all day long. So yeah. I've seen general population people that don't exercise consuming hydration beverages that have 500 milligrams of sodium yeah. and like 10 ounces. That's not appropriate. Yeah. Right. right. You know, especially if they're overweight. So like, oh, it tastes good. It's hydration. I'm like, you don't know what that product is supposed to be intended to be used for, but you're using it. And that's one of the other main mo motivations in this. Yeah. And the trend is because because no one knows anything. If you're a hydration drink and the first hydration drink comes out and advertises that, that they have electrolytes in it. Well, what does the next hydration brand come out and do? Add more electrolytes because then they advertise. And the public doesn't know. And so, like you said, now you get products that have 500 milligrams of sodium. You know, and it's per, per per twelve ounces. It's like that. Yeah. That's almost salt water at that point. You know, you, <laughs> yeah. you, you add any more, your kidneys aren't going to filter it. But yeah, it's a. Uh, I I like that product actually. I, I texted Joe right when he said, it. "I was like, man, that's that's ingenious. That's a brilliant idea." Yeah, just a little bit, you know. Like, and, and it was a challenge because um, it's a concentrate. So a concentrate mm. can only handle a certain amount of salute right before it oh, cracks. Yeah. So like we had to play around with different parts of that. And I wanted to add other things like calcium and other things in there, but they, they couldn't do it. So yeah, we calcium would be tough. Yeah. And sodium, potassium, magnesium. Those are the main ones. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Good stuff. And it's amazing how many problems are solved with sodium, potassium, magnesium. Yeah. Like so many layperson problems, especially females. It seems like it's like, they, they think you're a magician. You you just you you have a, add, add a little salt and and then take 400 milligrams of magnesium before bed and like two days later like I don't know what you did but I have more energy I feel better. It's like yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. You're getting a gram of sodium a day and drinking two gallons of water. I'm amazed that you didn't have more problems. Well, it's like speaking of poor information, like you know the ADA. As much as I'm a dietitian, I'm supposed to be saying this. It's like the ADA is like I'm sorry, American Heart Association is like two grams of sodium a day. Is what oh we my God. It's like First off, when I worked at the hospital, we would give renal patients 1,500 milligrams or 2,000 milligrams sodium a day. It would be a two-gram potassium, two-gram uh, sodium, and 500 milligrams of phosphorus, I believe. Um, and they would hate their diet. Yeah. Like, this mm -hmm. is disgusting. I can't taste anything. Two grams a day? Yeah. That's and so low. And what doesn't mean, I mean, your body has, you know, aldosterone, vasopressin, it has methods of readjusting to almost any level anyways. So if you were drinking, if you were doing four grams a day and you dropped to two grams a day, yeah, you'll flush some water initially, but your, your body maintains your blood sodium at 0.9% no matter what, no matter yeah. how much sodium you take in. And so if you just take in less, it just readjusts itself to get back, you know, how much it flushes out. It just changes aldosterone. So yeah, you, your blood pressure will lower initially, but and I, I, you can find some studies that even show it. And they'll be, you know, like, I remember reading one that was almost like perplexed, like why the improvement in blood pressure didn't seem to, to be chronic after lowering sodium. You know, it's like they lower sodium and they get an improvement in blood pressure. And then by, you know, three weeks in, four weeks in, the blood pressure starts creeping up again. It's like, yeah, they've now adjusted back to baseline. And now they're just, now they're just not flushing out any sodium. So, you know, now two grams isn't low sodium. Now it's two, it's their normal sodium now. Well, I mean, look at all the blood pressure medications today versus 20 years ago. It's yeah. like, they used to be all diuretics and yeah. now they're all like ACE inhibitors. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They, the diuretics like a third line approach. They'll go, they'll do ARB or ACE inhibitor. Then they'll do a calcium channel blocker, then maybe a diuretic. And even then a lot of times they'll do a beta blocker before a diuretic. Yeah. Hmm. Well, are, are you, uh, uh, Chris, just you and your wife, um, 
how how are you guys with clients right now? Is the is the site open? You know, you're still taking on clients. You have no. wait list. How's that work? <laughs> uh, I don't know if my wife is or not. I I don't I don't know. I'm not. Gotcha. Um, I still have people message me all the time, and I said maybe in March, maybe in March you can reach out. I don't know. And sometimes if they yeah. do, and, and I have people stop competing, then sure. But I'm trying to decrease my client load mm -hmm. right now. Um, it's just gotten to the point where like it's just too much. You know, it's it's too many hours in a day. I'm, I don't I'm six days a week. I don't think people realize. I don't think people. You, there, there is there's zero break. You know, you don't zero. because you your clients check in no matter what. So yeah. you you don't get to go on vacation. Those clients still check in, and people compete, and they they don't realize like they do that one show. You have you have multiple people every Saturday that you're up at four a.m. that you're that you're checking one a.m. panic texts that you're checking three a.m. panic texts that you're you know you're doing check you know photo check-ins at five a.m. every weekend you know from from April to November yeah and it's, it's you know and then now the UK's on Sunday national shows start on Thursday so through the summer it's Thursday Friday Saturday and if you got a guy in the UK competing Sunday that's that's you know like four days where you're doing 1 a.m. checks, 3 a.m. checks, 5 a.m. checks. You don't sleep. They, uh, you know, they're panic texting you and it's, it's, and your normal check-ins, no matter, like it always, uh, always just kills me where like a client will send a check-in. I don't know, like, like a, a Thursday at like 5 p.m. And then you're never caught up because you're answering emails, but they're always coming in. And so maybe you stopped working at eight, but you only got caught up to 4 p.m. emails. So you just missed this guy's email, you know? And then, then the next day you have some event, like a school event for your kids or something. So you get up and you drive somewhere. You're there for eight hours. You drive back. You got to socialize with friends and family, you know, and it's 1 a.m. And you crash and you go to bed and you wake up in the morning, 6 a.m. And the first thing you do is go answer that email. And so from your mind, like you're exhausted and you've done nothing. You're short on sleep and you've worked every waking second from their, their mind. It's like, hey. Dude, it's Sunday morning. I emailed you Thursday. You know, it's like it, it, yeah, it's too, it's too much. In case in point, I just went to Greece for ten days. My wife, right, mm -hmm. with vacation. I had five people competing. Yeah, I'm yeah. still answering emails every day in Greece. Yeah, my competitors only. My general population can wait, but like I was still answering them, and my guy was doing USA's, um, and he did well. So it's like I was constantly two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in yeah. the morning up. And that's just how it is. Like, yeah. it, and it, it was like, I love helping him. He was a great dude. Mike's awesome. Um, nothing against him at all. But like in the grand scheme of the volume, I, I want to scale it back. I'm ready to scale it back and just be a little more, you know? Gotcha. Well, we, we so, uh, might have been a little bit of a downer for all the guests there, but then we'll have to just, we'll have to keep uh, pressuring you to maybe write some eBooks or create some other content. Yeah, well, I, have no, a, I'm I have a posing module coming out. Yeah, um, I created a. Uh, I did four and a half hours of posing. Okay, I basically broke down every basic pose. Now this is for like people who are getting into the industry, classic and bodybuilding, and they want to understand what a quarter turn is, how to put your feet, all the different tips, and really uh, breaks it down to different body types too, because everybody doesn't put everybody can't pose the same. Um, but it's real basic, good one on one stuff to give you a full breakdown of the quarter turns, some classic poses, all the mandatories. But I break it down. In extensive detail, um, that should oh, be cool. uh, probably the end of September. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely put a link in the show notes and stuff. And if uh, when you get it ready to launch, if you want to drop us a message, we can post it out there for people. I'm sure people are going to ask us, you know, where it is or whatever the situation is. So, 
Well, good stuff, man. I know it was, uh, you know, we were, we were communicating before the trip and, and I'm sure when you came back, you had a lot of other stuff you could be doing right now. So it means a lot that you jumped on with us. So we oh, really, no problem. You know, My pleasure. This, this stuff's fun. This is a good break from you know, all that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right. Well, for everybody out there, uh, listening in, we'll have all the places you can uh, find Chris in the show notes and don't forget to not only on YouTube, but we're also on all the audio platforms as well. So wherever you can find an audio podcast, you can find one detox. So thanks so much for tuning in and supporting the show. As always, uh, thank you to my co-host, Justin Harris. Thanks again, Chris, for uh, all your knowledge. We'll see you guys. Have a good night.